welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Knock On Podcast, I don't even remember, but... Obviously, we're in a tough time. I shouldn't say a tough time. It's just a weird time. And I thought there's no better time for people to just like stop and look at the positives, focus on a really positive mindset. And I thought, all right, I know exactly who would be the right person to get on for this. So you might as well say one word. They'll know who it is. What up? (laughs) Jock. Yeah. Audio is not that great. We're but we're both on full uh, lockdown in the house, so people are going to have to make do. But what have you been do doing, I, bro? I, do I sound bad? No, you sound pretty good. You sound pretty uh, good. I was going to say you sound crystal clear. So, so are you bummed? Out? How how many days has it been since you've been able to roll jits? You know, I was on a trip right before, so yeah, it's been a few days and. Um, kind of letting everything settle down. We had to shut down our gym. You know, I got a gym here in San Diego called Victory MMA, so that's shut down. Um, so yeah, it's been it's definitely been like more than more than it should be. Five, I don't know, six days straight. No, no jitsu. <laughs> I figured you'd roll with Thor if nothing else. Yeah, well, I'll roll with Thor, and I'll, I'm sure in a little while, in a couple more days, I'll get together like a pack of guys that that are. We'll we'll just go and. And open the, I'll just open the gym and we'll roll small group, you know? Yeah, yeah. What kind of shirt? Dude, is it, well, I'm sure it's a victory shirt. Actually, it's, it's an origin shirt. Oh, damn. It's so, it's so like, the way it hugs your neck, and it looks like you're in a barber's freaking apron. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't oh, yeah, it? That out. I look like an evil guy from uh, James Bond, you know? Like a turtle, black turtleneck on. <laughs> Well, I don't know. What do you, what do you think we have to tell people here? It's like, you know, it's, some people, I've had a few employees that have been just totally cool, collective, you know, doing what we're supposed to do, just focus on, you know, one minute at a time and focusing on tasks and then uh and then I've got other other friends or colleagues that are just on full meltdown and at some point you have to just be like, man, this is, you know, I'm pumped to stay home. <laughs> yeah, know? I was gonna say, um, <laughs> dude. You know how happy what I am. Meltdown gets you. You know what does a meltdown get you? You know, freaking out. What does it get you? It actually takes your focus away of what you should from things that you should be focusing on. If you're freaking out about something, you're not doing anything productive. So you might as well, you know, calm down, relax, assess the situation, and make deliberate move moves that make sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The reality is. So many people can, you know, so many people can make it if they just like focus on one little thing at a time. It's not like we all live in teepees, you know what I mean? What's cool is the people that are in residential areas but are hunters, like hunter gatherers, and they're just like, you know what? I'm freaking loading up my camper. Bye. I mean, they're doing the full opposite. They're like, oh, okay, we're going to freaking go off the grid later, dude. I mean, You know, and the reality is we could all do that and we could, you know, we can, we can do that as long as we keep our freaking head straight and, uh, you know, just focus on the positive and focus on what we need to do, you know, to 
for that particular day. And I guess, you know, what we're dealing with at that particular time. Yeah. And we have, look, people are worried about the infrastructure. Our, our infrastructure is, this, is the strongest infrastructure in the world is, is in America. And will there be some disruptions in it? Sure. There's going to be some disruptions in it. It may take a little longer than, you know, four hours for you to get your Amazon order, you know, like, <laughs> so, so some things, but, but the, but essentially the infrastructure that we have in America is very, very strong. And, it, and yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna uphold. It, it'll get pressure tested. And like I said, we're gonna lose some conveniences, but I don't see it becoming like an all out zombie apocalypse. No. And I mean, the fact that it, that it's made it through in the places where it has, like you said, we're, we're way better off. If, if you're someone who's traveled the world, which, you know, you and I have, have both been fortunate to, you know, there's place, there's places that live every day and their luxuries are probably about as bad as what, what, what we may experience. And that's just everyday life for them, you know? And when someone from America rolls in, you know, they just, they just think it's the most awesome thing because they live like that every single day and, and all is good. That's just life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also, I think it's a good drill because if let's say the coronavirus, I mean, let's say it was lethal Yeah. and everybody that it was terminal. Well, then, then you'd see some, some mayhem going on, but I think this is a good drill for people to start thinking about how you would go into permanent isolation with your family, come up with a plan, have a, have a, a, a place that you can go, that you can get away, have a method to get there and then have a way to sustain once you show up in that area of operations. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I've got, I've got friends that are in, that are in Holland that, you know, reached out several weeks ago and said, you know, for sure, take this serious, do whatever protocol you can, you know, do what they say. And like you said, from my point of view, I'm looking at the positive of, you know, at least this virus isn't like, you know, a black plague or something to where anyone who touches you is dead. I think, honestly, I think the moves that we make right now, it's, it's just like when you and I went hunting and, you know, there's a situation where it's like, we're going to make our best plan of attack and we do that. And even though we thought that was our best option, given the situation, the reality is it wasn't, you know, catastrophic. So the next time you're able to do it better. And I think if nothing else, we're going to be able to, you know, if this comes around again by winter time, we're going to be able to address a lot of issues um, and a lot of smart people are going to come up with collective collectively good things to, you know, let things progress and not regress. Yeah. I mean, you even look at as a country, you know, some of the pharmaceutical companies, like we get some crazy percentage of pharmaceutical, pharmacological stuff from China and we shouldn't be depending on their supply chain like that, you know? So I think we're going to learn some lessons as a country and make some adjustments so that we're, so that we can sustain ourselves better as a, as a country, you know, absolutely as individuals and as families too. But as a country, I think we're going to get stronger coming out of this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anytime, it seems like anytime there there's hardship and that's like a message you and I have both talked about time and time again, you know, whenever there's hardship and there's, there's struggle outside of a community and obviously the community can be small. It can be our family 
or it could be, you know, in your case, your team, right? Or or we can look at it just like when 9-11 happened, you know, the freaking country just like suction cupped around itself. Everybody was super proud to be Americans and people freaking came together and everybody was fighting for, you know, what we needed to do as a nation. And it's like, yeah, that, that community, you know, has different levels. And I think as a, as a whole American society, you know, there's a lot of positive that can come out of this. And, and I believe a lot in the system. I I think it will. I just, I think what's hard is just sometimes you got to slap the people that are in pandemonium mode and just be like, you know, hey man, just go take like ten breaths over there in the corner for a minute before I come back and talk to you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice too. I mean, you know, I got my company Origin. We make everything here in America. I know you guys at PSE. You guys make everything here. That's just it's a great example of being self sufficient, and you don't have to worry about getting getting stuff from overseas or ordering stuff that's contaminated or their supply chain breaks down. So that's another another benefit of, you know, having that that made in America. You know, yeah, it's a point of pride to make stuff in America, but it's also it actually also makes sense yeah. to make stuff in America. Yeah, I've I've been uh I've been using your stuff since I'm trying to think when I got the first origin stuff. Uh, I I can't I can't remember if it was after I came and was by you the first time, or maybe it was after TAC last year, but it's been close to, you know, six or nine months anyway, that, that I started, um, on some of your stuff. And yeah, I mean, right now I'm taking cold war, <laughs> you know? You <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice. You know, I've been, my, my, uh, last few months were really, really just, just crazy busy. And, uh, so for me right now, I'm kind of, you know, like you said, I get to stay home and I look, I look, what are the positive side of that? I mean, like I get to shoot my bow every day and that's awesome. So, you know, there's, there's days where, or there's, there's months where like in January I was going on the road for nine days at a time and yeah. I'm, I'm because of the type of travel I do going from city to city really fast. I can't, I just, it's logistically not, not feasible to take my bow with me. And so now it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to be home. I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of shooting in for the next, however long this is, six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, man, I should be dialed for September, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah. We've got to, we've got to move that kill shot up and to the right about four (laughs) four feet. Uh, No, I, I feel like if people, if people really embrace that time, you know, I call this like R and R time. And this is something I've talked about as a, as a competitor. I, I wrote about it for a long time, a long time. I always said that, um, you know, and it kind of goes back to your gym, but I always had this, this calculation of V equals earn, you know, victory equals earn. You have to earn it. And, you know, that comes from exercise, attitude, rest and recuperation and nutrition. And if any of those four things lack, the victory is, is honestly, it's, if it happens, it's probably a fluke, but it's not sustainable. And if you really want sustainable victory, not just necessarily in a tournament, but I feel like as a person or someone who's, who takes pride in, you know, walking around proud and, and being in shape and, you know, being able to, to address most situations that get put in front of them. I feel like you have to have R and R and, you know, when I'm done with hunting season, that's why I just tell people like, Hey, 
I'm going to be, I'm going to be off the grid for three or four weeks. And it's not because, you know, the main reason is because I need to freaking sleep. I need to unpack. I need to reorganize mentally and physically. I need to like, you know, decompress it with the family. And, you know, it's like you have to get your life back together. And when you do that, then you're able to, to tackle a new task more efficiently than when you're in, you know, in chaos. And like with you, with your book signing, um, that whole thing was a launch. I know you had a bunch of stuff for Echelon Front that was like right on the front end of that. Obviously, the holidays were right in the middle of that. And it's like, you know, look at the positive side of this could be a very good opportunity, you know, unless you're struggling financially um, because of the situation. But this is a really good opportunity to to do a lot of things that can that can make us better. You know, that's that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, you know, it's one thing I noticed about the way you conduct your life. So, and I, I found, I kind of realized this after last hunting season. And I remember talking to you and you were like, I just slept for like 13 hours or something crazy when you got done. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you just, you just, you know, you took, like you said, you took time for rest and recuperation. Well, in the SEAL teams, you know, we go on deployment and when we go on deployment. We're working. You're probably sleeping three, four hours a night. If you're lucky, it's every day is a Monday and you do that for six months straight. And when you get home... Like, okay, you, you, first of all, you get a couple weeks leave, which is basically what you do. And then what you do is you start, well, you learn some new crafts, but then you start your work up again and you start back with the basics. And so I like, like what you do when you start, you know, when you start the, the knock on school again, you like go back to the basics. Like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to get dialed in on these fundamentals right here. Today, we're going to work on this little thing. Tomorrow, we're going to work on, just like when we get back from deployment, we get back to the shooting range and like, just start our basic shooting over again. And then you build up on those skills and it gives you a good mentality that's preparing you to go back on deployment again, kind of like you're preparing to go back to hunting season. That's what you're doing. That's how you run your life. And it's it's a it's a proven concept as far as I know, because that's the way the military does it. Not just the SEAL teams. Everyone in the military does that. You you know, you deploy. That's your hunting season. And you get done with that. You take some downtime and then you go back to the basics because you're not going to smoke yourself. You can't just burn yourself out, you know, 365 days a year, but you have to, you have to peak too, you know, kind of like in athletics, you know, you got to peak where you're in a, the best shape, you're shooting good, you're, you're, you're understand your platoon. Well, you got all that stuff dialed in, you go on deployment, you do your job right at the end of the job, at the end of deployment, you know, you can see guys looking around like, all right, are we almost done here? And then boom, it's over. You go home. So I, I think you set your life up similar to that. And I think it's a, a proven system that works well. Yeah, I've, I face that that balance. And, and unfortunately, I stepped too far on the side of it several times where I feel like, at least for me, there were times and maybe it's because maybe it's because archery was an individual sport and in individual sports like you can't have someone else that's doing so good that they bail you out. And then that night you can say like, Hey man, sorry, I was dog shit. Freaking thanks for being there. When you, when it's individual sports, you realize really quick that all of a sudden you go out and you're dog shit and everybody sees it and you see it. And then you're kind of faced with that, you know, that gut check of what am I going to do about it? And for me, there came a point where I really started to recognize that I burn out on stuff 
fairly fast. It's like if I'm going at a hundred percent from like a competition level, or if I'm, you know, if I'm lifting like super hard, it's like once I hit about really for me, it's about eight weeks. Once I'm, once I'm one to two full months in, I'm just like, man, I'm ready to see, to do something else. So you kind of have to realize as a competitor, how much time do I need to peak? And then also how long can I sustain freaking fifth gear until I need to like hit the pit stop and not just to get a tire change, but like I need to hit the pit stop, not for a night or not for a day and a half to unpack and go out again. But how do I stop? And, and like you said, just like fully forget about it. And I learned this when I shot on the teams, there were times where our, our quals for the teams or for the worlds were in June or July. And there were times where I came back, literally set my bow case down and didn't even open that sucker up until like 21 to 28 days prior to the event. Because sometimes you would qualify in June for a world championship, but it might not be until September. So if I all, you know, and I had buddies of mine that were on my team that as soon as they made the team, they're like, dude, I'm hitting it. I'm going to freaking, you know, I'm doing two full rounds a day, blah, blah, blah. And, and then they're asking me, are you shooting yet? Are you shooting yet? No, I'm not shooting yet. You know, I'm still, you know, I'm thinking about it and I'm working on stuff, but I'm not like, I'm not in full go mode. But then all of a sudden, by the time I was in full go mode, I could tell when we showed up to the event, there was one of my teammates that stood out to where I could tell like he was freaking burned out. Like Mm -hmm. he didn't even want to practice the first day before the event because he had gone so hard the day after quals and they were three months out. Like you have to, you know, recognize what that time is. And for me, I'm looking at, you know, right now, if I have to kind of stay home, this is like, this is the perfect time for me to hit the gym hard as soon as, you know, as soon as this freaking tornado that's supposed to hit here in a couple hours is gone. Uh, I want to get out and start shooting outdoors. Like those are two things. These are prime times for me. Um, the spring is like a perfect time of growth and people should look at it as right now. It's a perfect time of growth and with the right mindset, we're being given an opportunity to maybe go into this summer the best person we've been. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And and for me being stuck at home, I promise you that if I'm home for a month straight, this will be the most consistent that I've ever been able to sh- that I've ever been able to shoot my bow ever. Think yeah. about that one month straight, and it'll be the most consistent ever because I always you know, always have at least a trip that goes three, four days, five days. That happens to me all the time. So, and, and Hey, who knows? Maybe if we're home for six weeks, I'll get six weeks worth. Maybe it'll be eight weeks, but I I feel like it's a real opportunity for me to, to get better. And maybe my jujitsu skills will be sliding a little bit because I'm not rolling around on the, on the mat with a bunch of people, but, um, just, you know, I'll focus on other things and that happens in life. You know, that's what happens in life. Sometimes you get an opportunity to work on something and something else is going to fade away. Um, okay, cool. Let's let's make the most of it. What what are some of the some of the things that you guys talk about in your Echelon Front seminars? Just kind of talking about people to take a leadership role and 
you know, to be able to to step up, like, you know, let's just say people around you at work right now are down and, you know, there's people negative or you're in these text chains where, you know, my son just texts me a text chain, you know, from some of his teammates. He's like, what do you think of this? And I just said, hey, dude, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Anything that you need to know about, I will let you know about, you know, don't go down the rat holes. Um, you know, what are some of those things? some of those leadership type things that you tell people to be able to regroup, you know, their team that's underneath them when, when they start to get frazzled. Number one thing you've got to do in a situation like this is tell people the truth about what's going on. And, and this is rough because, you know, right now what's happening in a lot of businesses and a lot of our clients is what's happening is, you know, all of a sudden you got to, I mean, a, a, a real simple example is a restaurant, right? If you own a restaurant right now somewhere in America that's been shut down, then guess what? You don't need 10 waiters on staff anymore, right? So what are you going to do with those 10 waiters? You you could, you could say, well, you know, I just want to give you the night off. No, what you do is you tell them the truth. You say, listen, right now we're not going to have the income. I'm going to te- keep two of you on. Or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna give you know six of you part-time work. That's the best I can do right now. You four that are the most recent hires, I'm gonna, you know, look. I'll keep your number, and I hope this turns around. And as soon as it does, I'll give you guys a call. But right now, we just can't afford to keep you on. These other six workers, I'm gonna give you guys instead of 40 hours a week, I'm gonna give you 15 hours of work each a, a week, and that's what I'm gonna be able to do. You know, what you do is you be truthful with people about what's going on. And if you're truthful with people, because that's what happens is people, it's like the random text that your son's getting. I don't know what it says, but, you know, it's just people panicking about stuff and they don't know what the truth is. And when people don't know what the truth is, they make up their own truth. And the truth that they make up is never good. So it's better to be honest with people. Tell them what's going on. Don't panic yourself. Um, We're going to get through it. That's what's going to happen. You know, we're all going to take some hits, but we're going to we're going to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. It seems like clarity is the most important thing. Even if even if the message is is rough for people to swallow, in the end they're going to come back and appreciate the fact that you just told them how it told them how it was. You know, you know, at least this guy was was straightforward with me. Um, and that's one of the things that you know. Honestly, last week I found one time where someone came to me and they said, "Ah, oh, here there's going to be an announcement for this and." The, the source was fairly credible, could have, could have had that information, but, and, and honestly, I reacted to it. You know, I reacted to it without thinking about it. I like had a little bit too much trust in, in that. And, but it was a wake up call for me. Like, okay, listen, you know, you need to be prepared if something like that comes or, you know, if they are going to do a statewide shutdown or whatever. But the reality is until it happens, you know, me wasting energy right now in something that's a hypothetical is like super inefficient, you know, if not just a straight up waste right now. Yeah. The other thing that's going on is everyone is in the same boat. You know, if you're a restaurant owner and you're freaking out cause you got shut down, so did every other restaurant. So did every other gym. So did every other store. Everyone is shut down. No one's getting an advantage over you. Because I think that's another thing people start freaking out about. Well, uh, if I'm shut down, my competitor's going to beat me. They're shut down too. The playing field is level is what I'm saying. And we're all in this together. So you might as well look at it from that perspective instead of thinking that someone's going to get the advantage over where you're at right now. What are some of the things that you're having your kids do right now? 
your kids yep. are your kids are are really dialed in. I've I've met I think all but one, right? Um, but yeah, I think there's one that you didn't meet. But yeah, so my you know my two daughters are both home from college. Uh, they just one just got home. They just got home in the last two days. They still have online classes, so they're they're doing classes through Skype with their professors and whatever. So that's what they're doing. Uh, my son, as I told you via text, <laughs> when they cancel school, uh, my son, you know, he's a real, he's a kind of a, a not not a super emotional guy, and he and he and he doesn't, you know, he's not real communic, he doesn't communicate a lot. And I was doing something, and I get, and I, my son was at school, and I got like six phone calls, you know, and I didn't pick up from my son. He calls, I don't pick up. He calls again, I don't pick up. He calls again, I don't pick up. Finally, like he sends me a text. It says school's canceled until April sixth, and uh, and then the next text says best thing ever, <laughs> which is so, totally what you or I would have said. Absolutely, and so you know he's you know he's doing what he's doing. Um, speaking of which, when I let him shoot my bow, I didn't realize what an idiot I was when I let him shoot my bow. Oh, man, I, I I don't know, man. I just thought it would be fine, but you know I. I need to get him his own bow, but yeah, I was thinking of how catastrophic that could have been, you know, because he was like drawing it back. It was so hard for him, and I was just like making fun of him. I didn't realize until Peter blew up his bow. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that it was that. I didn't know that a dry fire did that. You know, that's my ignorance. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know what it what it would be like, but yeah, it'd be like just you know freaking ripping back 300 pounds on one of your cable machines at the gym and just letting that handle go from like full stretch. There's always one of those dudes in there. It seems like every time I need a cable machine, the freaking cable snap from some idiot that is <laughs> dry firing the freaking cable machine. So uh, to go back to your question, I think, you know, and I'm going to do a little warrior kid thing for this, but you know, it's the same for adults. Like make yourself a schedule right? Don't just go with the whim of like, well, cool. I don't have to, I don't have any work right now. So I'm just going to do whatever I want all day. No, make a schedule, do something productive, you know, get your workout done, get some reading done, get some writing done, get your, get your shooting done, uh, get your stretching done. You know, like for me, like stretching is the thing that I just, that is the first thing that gets cut out of my schedule. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I don't get, I get hardly any satisfaction from it. And so I hardly ever stretch and I know I should, I really do. But you know, so like do the things that maybe you have a little spare time to do right now, but make a schedule. If you don't make a schedule, just, Hey, don't make yourself a schedule for three days and see how productive you are. I can tell you, you won't be very productive at all. If you say I'm going to knock out this, that, and the other thing tomorrow, go get it done. I told Sharon something. I said, I said, you know, hopefully this, if, if I'm in a down mood, hopefully this doesn't make me worse. I actually don't think it will, but I've said, you know, I want to pick one thing every day that I've been telling myself I need to do this and do one thing every day that I didn't really want to do because in the end I'll get it done and I'll be like, man, freaking should have done that five years ago. Awesome. You know, and, and honestly, if someone stuck to that schedule and we came out of this in 14, 21, 30 days, whatever it is, and you had 
30 things checked off a bucket list, you know, on stuff that you've been getting nagged about forever. Uh, you know, even if it's changing out the freaking light bulbs on the, the little hanging lights out by my hot tub, like I was out there today and I'm like, there's no, right now there's zero excuse to not freaking change those two bulbs that you look out every morning at 5 a.m. when you're out here soaking in this thing, drinking a cup of coffee. I always, I'm like, two bulbs just couldn't hang on. They freaking couldn't make it. And, and, and I just, it's pure laziness, isn't it? I just, every day I just go out and I'm like, yep, still haven't changed them. <laughs> yeah, bro. I hope you can report, text me tomorrow tomorrow afternoon and tell me that you please have changed those two damn bulbs. <laughs> it's bothering me now. I might not be able to get them. Yeah, if you would have uh if you would have been thinking ahead, you could have had like Ashton Kutcher do a punked episode where you were FaceTiming me with Thor ripping that bow back, dude. I, oh. <laughs> I would have just been like, no, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I I, I literally did not know that that dry firing a bow did that to a bow. I did. I just didn't know it. And so I was like, here you go, boy, try this. And <laughs> like a couple times he'd draw it back and I'd have to like pick the arrow back and put it back in position <laughs> as he's holding it. Just a total disaster. <laughs> I'm putting myself on report for being on, being a total idiot right now. <laughs> Rudely. The, the thing that would have, would have kind of been funny just because I know Thor could take it. Like he's the perfect person to just not listen to anything and just freaking rake his arm and just have a big old freaking raspberry on there and just be like, I told you so. Cause I've, oh, yeah. I've seen him like to just grab a hold of something and say, I got it. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, remember the wind tunnel? Remember what he said? The wind tunnel? He oh, literally yeah. said, how hard can this be? He was talking. He was talking to Andy Stump like Andy Stump was a child. Yeah, you and Andy were just trying to give him some simple things of like, hey, when you step in, just be. And he just kind of looked at both you guys. He's like, how hard can this be? And then you both just said, okay. And yeah. that dude learned what physics was all about right then. He realized he, no strength he had was going to do any good in that situation. The joy of having a 15-year-old son. That's what that is right there. And then and then classic, your daughter walks up, "What do I need to do?" Okay, yeah. so can so how do I do it? And then she just goes in and freaking drills it, right? It's just You cool. know that that's a classic example. Like you hear me talk about humility all the time. That's why people that are humble get better mm-hmm. because their mind's open. They don't think they know. They, they're going in there listening, trying to learn, um, paying attention, as opposed to like a 15-year-old male <laughs> boy that thinks they know everything that goes, you can't – hey, Andy Stump that's got thousands of jumps and is a world record holder. What can you possibly teach me? <laughs> so true. Oh, yeah. And now that I think about it, I was telling him things. Like when he was when he was shooting my bow, I'd be like, hey, you know, you need to do this and be like – He'd be looking at me like I was an idiot. Okay, cool. Perfect. Tell that – do you remember that story you told me about uh, – you said you went down to the beach one day and he was sitting down there. He said he had like his chick under his arm. He's kind of like – he said he had like already saved a few dudes and like – Yeah, like there was a rip current and there's a little rip current on the beach by my house and he's sitting down there and I just walked down. There was the summertime. I was like working. I took a break and I go down there. And I see him and he's sitting in in a beach chair 
like a small throne <laughs> and, and he's all cocky. He's got sunglasses on and he's got his girlfriend like sitting between his legs and she's using his legs like the, like a throne. So she's got her arms on him and I walk over to him and I, and, and I look at him and he, of course, he looks at me and he goes, what's up? You know, like <laughs> not hi dad or Hey, Hey father. He goes, what's up? And I go, well, what's up with you? I go, what are you doing? And he looks at me and he goes, I rescued six people already from drowning. And I go, you, you did not do any such thing. And his girlfriend goes, yes, he did. He's rescued six people so far. He saved them from the rip current. <laughs> his buddies are all like, yeah, he did. He battled out there and got him. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> Going on. Yeah, dude, he was just sitting on Conan's freaking throne right there. And there was nothing you were going to do to, to And he had witnesses. Like, that was his moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, 15 years old. Well, he's 17 now. He's a little bit, he's, you know, you start getting humbled as you get a little bit older. You start. You, <laughs> Not, I, I, no, I, he's, he's still on an upward curve. Oh, yeah, you might be right. <laughs> you might be right. Or maybe I just had to, I've humbled him a couple times on a couple things, you know. <laughs> well, uh, how cool is it right now, though, like with all this chaos in the grocery stores, how cool is it for you just to like, walk in the freezer dude and you got how much do you have three four hundred pounds of elk just hundred pounds of elk yeah <laughs> just, just screaming in there just getting after it and i got a bunch of uh um well i got a i got a cow too and i got a bunch of axis deer from peter yeah me a bunch of axis deer so yeah man we got we got we got food yeah I was thinking of that the other day. I, I opened up my one freezer, and when I opened it up, I just looked in there, and I'm like, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of my son, he's all about the Traeger. Like, he is, he is like, all into the Traeger, way into it. That's why whenever I, say, whenever I post anything, I'm like, oh, my son just cooked up some freaking elk on the Traeger. He's just into it, man. He, li- he loves it. And I'm usually too busy. I yeah. Iron up the Traeger. I'm like, do it. And he – the uh the man the seasoning the the Traeger seasoning yeah it's good oh well he he I think he pretty much puts the prime rib seasoning on just about <laughs> put it on <laughs> anything dude anything oh, no. I'm surprised we're not putting it on ice cream at this point <laughs> so actually that sounds that sounds good yeah I think you know if things got really tough you could put that you could put that on a dog turd and it would it would definitely taste better. I don't know. I mean, I can't say it tastes good, but it definitely tastes better. But, dude, how cool is that? You have a 17-year-old that's cooking for the family. That's freaking way ahead of us. I mean, yeah. what a cool thing to learn. I mean, honestly, yeah. what a cool thing. That's like – that's honestly a bigger step is like, you know, provider. That's probably a bigger step than anything he could possibly do at this point. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, you know, the other thing is it's a little different when you're out here in California, but, you know, he'll go out spearfishing and get fish and lobster and bring them back. And, like, you know, in season, lobster season, it's on, man. There's lobsters every night. He goes out with his buddies. They go out and they catch lobsters and bring them back and cook them. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I don't think I've ever had one, like, fresh out of the water like that. That'd be pretty dope. That'd be yeah. that'd be unreal. Yeah, they'll bring a dang uh, little hibachi grill down to the beach and just go out and spear fish and then bring them back and cook them for lunch and stay down there all day. Yeah, that's the freaking life. That's the <laughs> life. Back back, back when I was that age, I'd be like, 
hanging out at the local park waiting for people to set up for like their their wedding uh their their wedding party after the you know what is it called at the reception the wedding reception Reception. yeah and we would we'd there was like this one park where they would always have wedding receptions and we knew they would set it up and then they'd go do the wet the wedding so then we'd go in there and just like jump a bunch of you know igloos full of beer and stuff and then freaking jet out (laughs) like a bunch of freaking total a-holes you know, here he's on the beach cooking fresh, fresh spearfish and, you know, lobster he's out there grabbing. I was, you know, in the middle of Illinois stealing people's cold beer from their freaking wedding reception. What an ass. <laughs> yeah, well, the good thing is the benefit that you have and I have is there was no there was no video cameras on everyone's phones back then. So the dumb stuff we did is forever lost to, to the world. Thankfully. I know. I know. I feel like honestly it's like with Harry, as much as I wanna say, no, no, it seems innocent now, but that it everything snowballs. Like if you just do this now, which he's like he's a perfect you know, I keep waiting for him to tell me something that's that's like karma finally catching up to the stuff that I put my parents through. But at this point, I'm still like, you know, just warning him. Like, you know, if you do that, it could turn into this. And he looks at me like, who is that big of a, who's that big of an asshole? And I'm like, well, you know, back in the day when you didn't have to worry about, you know, if you looked around and no one was watching, like you could get away with it. There weren't like it CV. Never <laughs> it never happened. No CV cams, no freaking cell phones, no 4K with audio uh, game cameras out. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, you know, um, when I, my last deployment to Iraq, that's one of the things I told the guys because it was right around the time when, man, there was press everywhere and people were starting to have cameras. And I said, if you're going to do something, you might as well do every move that you make on the battlefield. You might as well smile because you might as well act like you're on candid camera because the chances are if you're doing something stupid, someone's going to be recording it and you're going to end up looking like an idiot. So everything that you do, here's your little, here's your little uh, check on your behavior. If you do something, imagine that it's going to be shown to the world on CNN and Al Jazeera and Fox News and behave accordingly. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that it is that way because obviously, I mean, I shouldn't say it's unfortunate, but it's almost scary that it is because in certain moments like that, like you see it with, with police officers, right, where you're only getting to see a snippet of the clip. If you're not seeing the full reel and you're just looking at this you know, you're looking at a snapshot, it could look bad. But the reality is like some of these moments, they, they're very progressive. And then they get, they, they escalate to a point where, you know, you're only seeing a fraction of a reaction, not everything that transpired before that. And it's kind of scary for, for those guys that are over there. And especially like, you know, I sit here and think about you and Andy when you're 18 going over and doing that. We're talking about Thor going out and getting lobsters and stuff. I mean, when I was 18, like I said, how in the world would I have cared about what anyone saw? Or would you or would you even be able to tell me in my brain the importance of like how this stuff reflects on everything? I it's it's almost amazing that they can make that happen. 
maybe there's a filter I don't know about, but it's, it is scary. It really is. Yeah, no, the running a military organization, you know, you think you're exactly right. You're giving an 18 year old kid a rifle. You're telling him that his job is to go and kill people. And at the same time, your, your job is to go kill people. And at the same time, treat people with respect and don't break the law and follow the law of armed combat. Like you're, you're putting a, you're putting a kids in precarious positions and it really it goes to show you how well our military does it because look look it does happen you know um there are times when u.s military personnel do stuff do things that they shouldn't have done but broadly speaking i mean the soldiers and marines and sailors and airmen in the u.s military it's pretty freaking impressive that you can take an 18 year old you know a whole bunch of 18 to 20 year old kids you put them out there on the battlefield and they actually conduct their mission. They behave appropriately. That's what happens 99% of the time. And just like with police officers, the 1% of times where something goes haywire or you have a bad apple or something bad actually happens that shouldn't have happened, that's what everyone gets to see. And that's that's one of the things with, with the police. You know, no one, no one, no videos of a police officer, you know, making a great decision at the moment of truth and saving someone's life. That never goes viral, right? Yeah. Whereas and when a cop makes a mistake and, and or you the way it is the way it's cut out and edited it looks bad of course those things go viral all the time and and unfortunately you know we don't do enough uh, you know i i don't think our police officers get enough training in fact i work with police officers all the time and I, I factually know that they don't get enough training you know they don't spend enough time on the range they don't spend enough time in in scenario live scenario situations where they have to make decisions on whether they're going to shoot or don't shoot and you know quite honestly something like bow hunting if they were to do that it would be very helpful because you have to go through the same kind of mental detachment to make sure that you're making a good decision at the right time and you know same thing with jujitsu like it's really good if you do jujitsu because you're used to these pressure situations you're used you're, you you know you can handle yourself and then you got to put people in training situations where things are going sideways yeah. and you got to force them to make really tough decisions. And I don't know if you've ever seen the things where like they'll take like some reporter that says, oh, that was your, your you know, police officers are horrible. They go, OK, we're going to put you in a training scenario. And they take these guys. These I saw I saw one with a reporter. They take this reporter who is, you know, saying that the cops were horrible. They put him in a training scenario. They gave him the basic training. They said, OK, here's here's your paint gun, you know act accordingly and he shot everybody man. <laughs> he shot everybody because because you know like he didn't really have a lot of training and it's a tough it's a freaking you know the hardest job in the world you know i was i always thought that being a cop for me was would not be a good uh not a great job for me you know because I, I just you you really have to be so jo cops just are inherently they have to like take people's shit all the yeah, time yeah That's yeah what you have and believe me, I mean, I can play the game. You know, I played the game with a bunch of Iraqi civilians, some some Iraqi civilians that didn't like us or some Mujahideen fighters that are just like total scum of the earth and you want to do nothing more than, um, you know, kill them. Yeah. And you can't. And so, you know, you, you follow the rules. But, yeah, police officers, one of the hardest jobs, I think, in the world. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, some of the stuff they have to deal with is – it the skin's got to be so thick yeah, so for sure. so thick yeah i'm i'm this morning i was watching um the news and i i you know i don't watch it because i'm got to know what's going on but i'm kind of like 
you know, I'm just, I'm trying to at least be in basic understanding of what everybody's hearing. And they had, uh, one of the ladies from Shark Tank on to like give advice to people, business advice. And they were just taking, you know, random calls and, this young kid comes in and you know he's obviously a millennial um you know i don't i don't think you know he's ever had any type of hardship at least from the look and he's just like well now that i'm not at school and uh i you know i, I worked i had a job with with school at the university so now that i don't have a job at the university and you know i'm at home like you know what how do who 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 am i going to get money from and she honestly, she had the perfect response, like just on a, a snap of the finger. She just said, well, you need to find something that you're good at and you need to find someone that needs that task, you know? And I thought, dang, that was like sharp, like instantaneously on point because yeah, there's a lot of people that have been spoon fed and spoon fed. And then you get to this point where it's like, you know, well, you know, who's going to take care of me? It's like, well, you know, we have to take care of everybody, you know, there's a, everybody's going to have to get taken care of in some format, but you know, what are you bringing to the table that has value to help something around you? Because if you have a talent, that's what you need to fall back on right now. Like you need to find someone that needs that talent, find a place where that talent could serve in a positive manner and freaking make sure it gets in front of people to where they know that that's something that you bring to the table and that you offer. Because, you know, during times like these, man, you don't want to be the fawn that's just roaming around in the, in the woods looking, looking for, you know, looking for, for, uh, for mom to, to let you feed on the milk sack. Cause you know, some of that stuff's just not going to happen right now. And people just need to see that address it figure out what they're good at. I, th- I felt like that was such good advice for that kid, whether or not he took it or not. I don't know, but it was good. Yeah. Well, there's one, there's one additional thing I would say about that. And that is uh, a kid in that situation. You know, what he's got to realize is he might not have any skill at all or any talent at all. And the only skill or talent that he has is being an able bodied human being that's willing to do hard work. And, like that's that might be all you have, you know. That might be all you have, and if that's all you have, cool. The world needs you. I was I was about to say the world needs ditch ditch diggers, which it certainly does. But you you have to do something. You have to get a start somewhere. And people think, or any kid that thinks, oh well, that job is below me. Hey, right now I can promise you, there's going to be all kinds of jobs out there, and in, in after this, you know, economic situation we're going through. It's going to be hard to get jobs maybe doing something that you like to do. And you might have to do something that you have to do or that you're willing to do or that you can do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, got to start somewhere. I mean, I, I, I worked – I was a dishwasher. You know, I worked at Wendy's. Um, I, know, I know you spent a long time. You know, what would you do? And you had no talent whatsoever with, with archery. You're like, hey, sweeping up the floor and start with the little tiniest task that you could learn that you could do, getting paid, getting paid 50 cents an hour or whatever <laughs> you were getting paid. And, and on that, you build your skill set over time. Yep. You know? So that's the other thing. This kid, what is that kid good at? He might might be good at video games. No one's gonna be paying him, no one's gonna be paying him to play video games right now. But guess what? They'll keep, you know, pay him to clean up a 
uh, toilets in you know in a in a hospital. That mm. might be his job. Yeah, he might have to go get some. Yeah, un- unloading, you know, sitting there and unloading box trucks with freaking med supplies, you know, for a whole afternoon or or working at a, you know, a food shelter or something like that. I think I just feel like that stuff is just like it should be mandatory for some people for a certain time. Like you have to you have to do some of that stuff. I, you know, it just it makes you such a better person if you've done it. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Absolutely. And there's, well, we're about to see. I mean, the economy is going to contract for sure for at least some amount of time. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be back. See, there's going to be people, you know, out of work, A, eh? and there's going to be people that need work at lower, lower, lower uh, wages. That's yep. the way it is. Yeah, I it's agree. Harsh, so what's your routine right now? Let's, let's give people a routine, give them something to set as a goal. And uh, we'll end on that. Yeah, I mean, I still wake up the same time I always do, even though I don't have anywhere to necessarily be right now because I'm just, well, you know, I wake up early in the morning. Uh, I get my workout in. I usually start working, you know, around, usually around 8, 8.30 by the time I'm getting to work. Um, and then I work for, you know, two and a half, three hours at a chunk. Uh, try and do, you know, my, try and get some arrows downrange for 20 minutes, half an hour before I eat lunch, you know, it's kind of a way for me to, um, take a break, you know, that's yeah. a break. For me. It's a nice break. Um, it's something that you can do. Hey man, it's really good too. Cause, uh, you know, a lot of times I'm working on a computer staring at a screen and so my focus is a foot away. So it's nice to go out and look at the target. You know, I shoot, I shoot 24 meters to 34 meters here at my house. Yeah. So nice to go get that little break. And then, you know, work the rest of the day. Hey, I've been spending time with my family, um, you know, which is cool. And then there's like those little projects you were talking about. I got a bunch of projects that, I'm, <laughs> that I haven't done. I mean, I got I got gear from the teams where I've got like nine sets of the same gear, right? <laughs> and I know some of it's trash, but I, I just can't like part with it, you know, because there's memories in it, <laughs> sentimental value. I'm going to burn all that stuff. I'm going to get rid of it. I got a bunch of documents that I got to get rid of, like – Got to sort out, you know, some documents that I'm going to keep, some documents I'm going to get rid of. So that's these are projects that, like you, that that I just need to get done. And so now's a good time to get them done. For your workouts in the morning, how soon do you jump into that once you're out of bed? Like, what's what's that first hour and a half um, window look like? You know, I get up, brush my teeth. I don't drink coffee. I don't eat anything before I work out. You know, I'm usually in the gym within 20 minutes to a half an hour of getting up. Yeah, I, I I don't do that because it's like, honestly, my routine of when my dogs know I'm up, they got to get up, they got to go out, they got to eat, like all, you know, all that stuff. But I honestly feel like within the first 15 minutes of when I wake up, I feel like I could probably have my best workout. And it seems like the longer in the morning it goes, the worse it gets for me. <laughs> I there's times where there are times where and I might do this flip right now cuz everyone's home to my family. There's times where I wake up in the morning and I do work, especially if like I've like if I have to write, if I owe a book to somebody, if I owe a book to my publisher, sometimes I'll get up in the morning and the first thing I'll do before I do anything else is just get I won't even brush my teeth. I'll get up and start writing immediately and write for about an hour, hour and a half. So now it's like you know, 
five thirty, six o'clock, and then I go work out. So I do that sometimes. And like right now, since my whole family's home and no one's going to school, it's more distracting during the day. Yeah. And I'd rather, you know, like if I'm working out, you know, my daughter will come down, my my son will come down, you know, to to my garage and hang out a little bit. So that's cool. I, I, I might even rotate to that schedule here, but it's probably a good advice for someone who, cause a lot of people right now, they're going to struggle with the distraction of people being around all day. Um, sure. and, and for some people, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of some friends offhand that would easily just tell me right away. Well, I can't do that. Cause you know, there's too much going on. And you know, by the time everyone's up, I get, you know, all this honeydew stuff or whatever. And, Honestly, if you want to make progress, then what you should do right now is realize what is a window of time where people aren't up yet. Like maybe you need to just realize right now, hey, I can probably afford to sneak in a nap in the middle of the day. If, if I'm if I'm having to work for, from home and family's there all day, I might be able to afford a nap. So, you know, maybe you need to try setting that alarm, you know, an hour earlier and get up and, you know, bang that out before that happens. I always... I love getting stuff done before the sun comes up. I mean, it honestly feel like you've made more out of the day than what it had to offer, you know? Yeah. Another benefit to that, like right now is like just chilling and working out, you know, spend sometimes, you know, it's nice to go down there. I'll put in a podcast, you know, just be listening to a podcast, just, just working out, just kind of, you know, take two and a half, three hours to work out. Yeah. Hell, we got a bunch of time, you know, <laughs> but, but, one thing I do almost always try and do is if I, for whatever reason, if I can't work out in the morning, I try and work out before lunch. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to eat lunch and have food in my gut in the afternoon and, you know, and be like, okay, I'll go work out now. And I feel like I want to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so do you, um, do you somewhat fast? Do you wait till closer to lunch before you eat or do you eat? I usually don't start eating until like around 10, you know, where around 10 o'clock I'll like, you know, I'll start grazing. I'll have some seeds <laughs> or some nuts or whatever. Grazing. Yeah. Throw that out of your vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I'm doing though. I don't, and then sometimes I'll do that all day until dinner, you know. Sometimes I won't really eat a real lunch. I'll just keep kind of nibbling on stuff until dinner or sometimes I won't even eat until dinner. Do you ever pay attention to like protein intake or is it just all based on like my body wants fuel right now? It's, it's getting it. I, I, yeah, I do. I don't, most of what I eat, you know, is protein. So I don't know if that means I'm paying attention to it or not, but <laughs> it's cause it's good. Yeah, <laughs> what I, are you talking about? I eat, I eat meat a lot, you know, I eat meat and that's mostly what I eat. Yeah. Is meat. Yeah. So, yeah, you got me hooked on the strawberry, on the mulk, man. On strawberry mulk. Yeah. yeah, and I'm and I'm on a kick right now with the the mint, but I mm-hmm. but I add in like three big old spoons of uh, of this like whole grain or like kind of whole nut uh, peanut butter. It's like okay. I forget what it's called. It's called like something nuts or whatever, but it's like chia seeds, sunflower seeds. Like peanuts, cashews, almonds, it's like all of it in there. And I'll just like, it's kind of like a a nutty mint nut. But yeah, that's kind of, because that will fill you up. Because that's part of my problem is there's times at night where I eat protein, like very heavy protein at night because I, I really enjoy it. But I 
I'm, I still crave like, you know, my body still wants to like either taste something sweet or have, right. you know what I mean? And so I thought you were going to lie right now. I thought you were going to lie. <laughs> no. And I was going to be like, Hey, Dud, you don't have to lie. I'm right there with you. I can eat the most beautiful piece of freaking elk and get done with it and be totally stoked on it and still be like, I still kind of want something sweet, you know? Oh, and yeah. That, that, it's like one out of three meals. But yeah, that's that's what that's what's nice about the milk. You can mix up a strawberry milk or a mint milk, and you're like, it tastes like dessert. So you yeah. get that you get that satisfaction, but it's good for you. Yeah, and then you feel like you just ate a gallon of Chinese food, like you were freaking stuffed. You were st- <laughs> if you put that on top of a, a twenty ounce ribeye, like good, oh, yeah. you're gonna be sucking little wind balls, like trying to gas for air because you're gonna be so freaking full. But that's all those you had on the Traeger the other night on your Instagram. I was pretty pretty hungry after I saw him. Yeah, Joe Joe went on the carnivore last month and I really wanted to do it, but I kind of got I got a little bit side railed. Um, I'm close to it, but I'm not like full carnivore. I'm still like I, I have like one type of vegetable, whether it's a sweet potato, a Brussels sprout, or an asparagus throughout the day but like for breakfast i'm eating uh i ate a two pound hamburger brick (laughs) every every morning like about 10 o'clock i fire up my traeger and i've got these two two pound bricks and i'll just grill this big burger on there and i'll have uh half of it is it elk burger is it cow it's um both i've had actually i've got some of those packets that um that Peter sent us from yeah. from Maui of Axis. Um, so I mean, like I'll plow down two of those packages. Or uh, Mark Carter, who you met when we yep. were at Big Sky. Mark's got a his family owns Carter Country Meats. Is that who's sending you those ribeyes? <laughs> yeah, bro. Mark Carter, Mark <laughs> Carter, where you at, bro? <laughs> so yeah, I've been plowing down one of those bricks of those, and then I'll have two eggs, um, two eggs half an avocado and then two pounds of, of, you know, some type of a meat in the morning. And then I'm not really that hungry, like midday. And then at dinner time, oh, I'm just, and then about dinner time, I'm ready for that same thing. And if I feel like, and normally at dinner, I'll mix in one, one veggie. But, um, if I feel like I need to have something sweet, then I'll have, I'll have a mulk, honestly. Um, and you know, yeah, but, I've been lately, I've been mixing mulk with uh, almond milk or coconut milk too. Yeah. Which, look, I, I do prefer the taste of just whole milk, but sometimes milk on my gut, especially on an empty stomach, isn't too friendly. Mm-hmm. And almond milk, no factor. Coconut milk, no factor. It tastes freaking good too yeah yeah if i don't have milk i'll just use water and i'll throw in like two big spoonfuls of faye yogurt just like you know straight yogurt because then it kind of just turns into milk and it's awesome and i can digest i can digest that faye way better than i can digest like regular whole milk uh but the main reason i've been doing is because i've been struggling so much now that my left shoulder you know i tore those five anchors out of my left side so I've just been trying to do stuff to reduce inflammation so that I can just, you know, do what I need to do to, to, you know, to do what I do every day. And it's, it's, it definitely makes a difference cutting out like shitty carbs 
just stuff you can't pronounce, it causes inflammation. There is no doubt about it. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got to, I've really got to be careful on like, if I'm doing any type of pushing motions, I have to do it at a position where, you know, my humerus isn't pushing on where my tear is. And then, then I'm, then I'm okay. And like, if I'm doing like pull-ups and stuff, I have to do like pretty much like partials. The, you know, the, the first start of it is what hurts. But if I'm, you know, as long as my hands are like from my head to my shoulders, from my head to my shoulders, then I'm okay. You know, but it's, it's from my head up above. It's that first little bit. That's a struggle, you know, and it, I don't feel like I'm damaging anything more. It's just my body saying like, Hey, you got, you got something in there that doesn't like that. So yeah, it's just all about, you know, variation. And honestly, I'm not pushing a ton of weight right now. I'm, I'm lifting moderate weight with more frequency, but less speed. Mm -hmm. And, and honestly, I feel like during certain times of my life, I feel like my body grows to that more so than when I've tried to just move heavy weight. Like I just feel like my body shows size or, you know, there's, I'll make a post and people will be like, you know, what are you doing? I can tell you're losing weight or I can tell you're like thickening up. And it's weird for me. It's never really been the all full blown power moves that have made me like look different to people. It seems like it's, you know, it's smart training with like, with very purposeful movements that just seems like it always, my body responds to it better. Yeah. And the good thing is, I mean, I've gone through whatever bunch of injuries, knees, shoulders, elbows, just gotten jacked up over time. And when you first get injured, man, the, 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 the progress to heal is so slow that sometimes I've just said, okay, well, I'll never be able to do what I did before, but I'm just going to keep going. And then eventually you do get back. It's just that it takes months and months and months. And it's like watching the hour hand on a clock. Like you can't see it move, but it's moving. And so I bet you, you know, one attitude would be like, oh, my shoulder hurts when I do pull-ups. So I'm not going to do them anymore. Well, guess what? You're never going to be able to do pull-ups again. Yeah. I, I, I can almost promise you that like, you keep doing what you're doing and your range of motion over a month will improve, you know, a centimeter. And then another month will be another centimeter and you'll look up in six months or nine months. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I can do pull-ups again. And like that's just the way it is. Your body will – like you said, your body will adapt um, to what you're trying to make it do. Yeah. Have you ever heard of like – for nerve damage, like how slow a freaking nerve repairs. It's like, yeah. isn't it like a millimeter a month or it's something you know, stupid like that. Like it's a millimeter a month if you're lucky, because it doesn't always heal, you know? And I, I had some pretty significant nerve damage and got neck surgery. And I mean, I still haven't gotten back all the strength in my right tricep and my right pec. Um, this is the way it is, you know? I mean, I still, but I will say this, even now, like it's been like 10 years since I had surgery, I still get like just, I can see a little bit of improvement over time. So I'll keep working it, keep doing it. Have you done any stem cells at all? Nope. You should, you should. My shoulder was, my shoulder was a hundred times worse than it feels right now. A month and a half ago when I was in Vegas with Joe and we went to Roddy and I got, um, two rounds of, of, uh, 
PRP and, and stem cells in, into my shoulder. And honestly, until two days ago, I was trying to lower into a bathtub and freaking slipped out. And that's the only thing that's kind of janked me a little bit, of course. But um, other than that, I was like, damn, okay, this is awesome. And I'm here to tell you when I, I've had two bicep tears, like down in the elbow, remember where you were struggling um, when you first got lessons? Like that's a killer spot. You know, that's like for me carrying a jug of milk, like in a hammer position was just like, you know, no thanks. I'd rather put it on my head and walk around with it than just hold a jug of milk like that. But I got um, stem cells in that and it freaking cleared up two bicep tears and like severe tendonitis in like, it was like three weeks. It was life changing. And then I had it um, again over in my right side, but it was down on the, my upper forearm, not like the lower bicep and same thing. I mean, I can, and Sharon with her hip, she got it on that glute medius and totally fixed her as well. So if you need to do it, you really do. If you still have some stuff, that's a struggle doing it one time a year would probably for you, you should, you know, you're old now. (laughs) <laughs> whatever <laughs> all right so what are you looking forward to for for this summer summer uh, this, summer fall i mean elk are you visualizing uh, that for, yes man yes <laughs> uh definitely you know even even when we got home here's some things that you know what i was just talking about like the police training and stuff even when i got home i was like i need to watch i need to watch more elk watch more elk on YouTube, watch more elk. Like I've watched a bunch of just like documentaries about elk so that I understand them better. Here's an example. You, um, you would look at an elk and like, no, you could identify like the different elk, right? For me, I would look at 10 elk. They all look the same. You're looking at like, Oh, that one there. And you'd call it out to me. And I'd say like, okay, I'd really have to think about what you were saying. And so, you know, just trying to see more elk so I can like, be quicker to identify them, look at their, you know, just, just be better, just understand yeah. them better. Um, that's one thing. And yeah, man, just keep shooting, be dialed when I get up there and be ready to rock and roll, man. I'm, I can't wait, man. The first, the first night when you and I rolled up there was the early morning and we got out of the vehicle, man, and you could hear those things. <laughs> it was insane. And yeah, man, I mean, it was just, it was madness. It was like we went. It was like we entered into a, another world. It was another. <laughs> we were. World. It is. It really yeah, is. And you know, I, I would say also, um, just being more, uh, to enjoy it more and not be quite so like, all right, here we go, here we go, here we go. I'm gonna be more like just, I. This is me personally being able to like watch the elk. Um, enjoy like I, I was too worried about like when's my shot when am I going to go when, like, what what am I going to do and now to be like okay look it's going to come I'm going to be in the right position you know like I just think I'll be I'll be you know it's the second time around and I'll be I'll be able to detach a little bit more and be able to enjoy it more you know yeah I'll be able to Look, and I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. it freaking, it was amazing. <laughs> but I'm saying appreciate it more. That's the word. Yeah, I would appreciate it more. 
Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things I talked about to a friend of mine when I was in Texas uh, a few weeks ago. I was down there with uh, Chantosh. We did some stuff with some vets down there, you know, taught them archery and, and took them on this, you know, this spot and stock ram hunt. And, you know, I know for some people they're like, well, rams don't quite do it for me, you know, people in the hunting world. But from a bow hunter's experience point of view, there's such a purpose for spot and stock like exotics, spot and stock hog hunts, honestly, spot and stock bear hunts. Like the amount of stuff that you learn just being able to get reps on approach and honestly approach and failure, approach and failure, approach and failure. Um, that was one thing that was really cool about when I was down there with some of the guys in Texas. I went out with each of the guys, um, you know, one time. And I just pretty much maneuvered and then just, you know, I asked him off the get go, do you want me to explain everything I'm doing? Or like, do you got this? I don't want to, you know, I I don't want to come off like the almighty telling you everything. But I said, I'll also explain the whys of everything that I'm thinking. And every one of them was like, yeah, I definitely want to, I want to know. So just, you know, going through those little nuances, you know, this one guy, he had three misses on, on, on a Ram and it was all spot and stock. And we, you know, the whole thing probably took four or five hours as three misses or, you know, maybe three or four hours. But I told him, I said, dude, this, if you were an elk hunter and you had to pack in and you've gone days and days to get your one opportunity and then you just blew it, well, you might not have that other opportunity for like another few days. And then, so you've had three in three hours, you know, I'm like, don't be pissed because if you took this bow and will went elk hunting tomorrow, I'm like, this could very well be three years worth of heartache for you before you've ever got one. Like this could easily have been three years of like, man, I didn't know that, you know, I needed to draw back before I came around the bush or, you know, I didn't know why you were, you know, stepping on this rather than on this. It's like that stuff is so valuable. Just getting the repetition, that that repetition in. And for you, you know, you had a lot of action and it was kind of cool that we, we tried a few, even though we weren't really necessarily going to shoot those bulls. There were a few that we tried just because you were like, you know, you were just collecting data at, at a rate where it's it's almost hard to to process it all. You know, I think you probably process more once you get home and you start thinking about like, oh, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, that's that's why this didn't work out. Or yeah, I bet you if we would have, you know, if we would have went there, I mean, that's the cool thing, is it's just this this chess game where it's like you have to play people play chess with people that can just dominate you but sometimes just watching their approach and how that whole field unravels you just start to you start to learn you start to be able to just i don't know not predict stuff but you just start to get an instinct on what things naturally do and for them it's all survival mode you know what are their basic survival instinct modes you know, what's priority number one? What are they going to refer to? You know, smell 100%. You know, priority two's, you know, 
probably sight and then sound is right there three. So it's like, you know, if you're going to, if you're picking an approach and you're going to mess up anything, you might be better off with sound if your scent and your sight is not both going to be able to be detected, you know, once they hear the sound. So it's really cool, but it's one of the things I want to just make sure people understand that like for you, like you said, you're going to have a different appreciation People need to, they need to appreciate it, but they also need to not be frustrated when it doesn't work out right away as a bow hunter, because there is a lot of information to process. There's, there's definitely a lot going on. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, I, I, as you were talking about that, I was like replaying the very first encounter that you and I had that was probably within a half an hour, maybe I think an hour of us walking out. Um, that one that was like raking a tree, he was in a bush kind of, and we were like kind of got some dead space behind a behind a tree, and he like wasn't gonna make a move, then he did. It was just and it was just uh man, just like that one experience right there. And we didn't I don't I don't even think I don't even think I don't even think I drew. I didn't I didn't I didn't draw. But like even that right there was just like was really awesome. And thinking about that one experience within the we were there for like an hour and we got a freaking giant elk going nuts. Yeah. Like 50 <laughs> yards from us. It was freaking epic, man. Yeah. Epic. <laughs> All right. And, well, and there was that scrap down in that valley. I, that? Yeah. 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 So every one of them was every one of those experiences and that's just two uh yeah every one of those was just awesome i i hope we get to do that you know a bunch of times this time too we were uh we were down in texas and it's in the hill country so there's some hills and i went on this walk with this one guy and it was on the same place where andy and i last year we were there together and we just said let's just stay out all day and let's just spot and stalk these suckers and he had this one ram that kept busting him and uh he was you know he had he was just had that that freaking look in his eye of I'm gonna do this all day till till one of the two of us freaking loses and it's not gonna be me. And uh, we did about 12 miles on that place. And I mean, it's it's Texas Hill Country, you know. It's 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 pretty cool. And there was this one spot where you know it was just continually just going up and going up and going. And we and we were walking, but we had maybe maybe walked a quarter mile and this guy goes he said something like this hill's a bitch and he goes he said he said uh i listened to that podcast with you and jocko he goes was that hill you guys walked up like this one and i'm like he goes that night that he shot his bull and i'm i go it was like this but like tell me when you're in Oklahoma. <laughs> Cause I'm like this little quarter mile that we've just humped. Isn't nothing like, you know, if it wasn't pitch ass black, I would have thought someone was like playing a freaking, it's crazy how it did not seem like we had got that far away until we had to go back and it was nothing but uphill. And then yeah. it, <laughs> And plus, we hadn't found my bull yet, and we, you know, got to the end of a blood trail for the night, which, so you got that whole mental game going. I feel like a total piece of shit as we're walking. 
<laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And honestly, th- thank God neither of us are looking for a meniscus replacement after <laughs> freaking fr- walking five miles uphill with at least a thousand badger holes, balls yeah. deep in the middle of the freaking gravel road. Yeah. Now, that was another thing, you know, just the whole uh, tracking the blood, you know, was just. I, I it was just absolutely amazing for me to experience, uh, you know, watching you track that blood. And I mean, little, t- I mean, literally the size of a pinhead, you know, would be enough that you'd pick it up and, you know, you're able to find it. Man, it was just absolutely incredible for me to experience that. It was awesome. Yeah, it was an awesome experience. Well, hey, bro, get back to your family. Uh, as, as always, let me know if you need something. I'm going to be jumping on your bow build here in the next day or two. Sweet. Yep. Yep. So, uh, I'll be, I'll be posting that and you'll have, you'll have that sucker here next week. Right on, man. I'll start <laughs> hammering on it while I'm, uh, while I'm here. All while right. I'm here. All, All right, right, brother. See you, man. Bye. We'll catch you later, man. Out here. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.